TV umpire to director, we have a player review. Can we rock and roll, please? Hello, 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 and welcome to the lucky episode 13 of Bits and Pieces, our friendliest cricket podcast with friends talking about the game that we love. Usually through banter, no expertise, although we try a little bit here and there. This is your host. Uh, my name is Praveen Gopal Krishnan, and today I'm here to introduce our panel to you. And it's a really special panel. Joining us all the way from Seattle with his morning coffee, just awoken and ready to take on the world, is Karthik. Karthik, say hi. Hello, hello. Oh, I feel so old. I feel like the CSK team in the IPL. Anytime I have to wake up early. <laughs> And then, all the way from Switzerland, he thinks he's neutral, but he really isn't. He has his fans, he has his quirks, but welcome back, Srinath. Thanks, PZK. Welcome back to you as well. It's been a while. It has been a while. I decided to let the professionals take over for a while. But it's really glad to be back. And I said that this was a special episode, and we have with us a really special guest. Joining us all the way from UK is Rachna. Rachna calls herself a cricket enthusiast and because we're going to be talking about the women's cricket today, the one thing that Rachna told me when we started this conversation was she said that I just want you to know that I only follow women's cricket and I don't follow men's cricket at all and we said perfect. And so all the way from UK, say hi Rachna. Hi everyone. Just woke up after the all-nighter because being in London and World Cup in New Zealand is not great for my sleep schedule. (laughs) That is a committed fan. Wonderful. And I think like everybody else, I think we should just kick off and go straight in into the Women's World Cup. What a World Cup. Um, We are recording at around 8 o'clock in the evening on Sunday. And just a few hours ago, Australia have won the Women's World Cup. They have lifted the trophy. Uh, Something that a lot of people predicted would happen much earlier. But then again, we kept watching and what a fantastic World Cup it was. I mean, I have many reasons why I thought that the World Cup was phenomenal, but I thought I'll just throw it to all of you. Uh, Your impressions about the current World Cup. Uh, Rachna, I think you should be the first to just tell us what your views are. What did you think overall about the World Cup as a whole? I think this World Cup was... uh... It was a milestone in women's cricket just in terms of viewership, in terms of the engagement. Like, um, I know people who started mess- WhatsApping me at orders for me, basically saying, did you see this ball? Did, did, did you see what just happened? Are you following this? I'm like, obviously, I'm following this. And so for me, it's special because um, women's cricket, I feel, has really picked up. Um, and secondly, there were just some phenomenal matches as well like whenever people say that women's cricket cannot is not as good as men's cricket is not as excited I'm like please look at what happened in today's well maybe not today's one but at least the India South Africa match that I'm sure that we're going to talk about um last week and several several uh, of the other matches that um, also took place um and I think the other thing that was also quite impressive is more from the social angle um you know this world cup had several mothers it had uh, mothers, uh, it had a- a- Amy Satterwhite who gave birth about 18 months ago. It had, um, uh, God, the Pakistan captain, um, uh, Bisma, uh, I'm going to... Bisma Maroof. Bisma Maroof. Who gave birth six months ago and who dedicated her 50 to her daughter. 
um it had uh, megan shoot who's back to playing she started playing you know a few months uh, about five or six months back it had rachel haynes who's finally back and that i think is a huge step um in in the in for sports itself that you can actually have careers after becoming mothers and um, you know again what the different uh, cricket boards have actually done to enable that to happen especially australia and england um i think these are all just milestones much bigger than just the sport itself so i just wanted to put that out there that's phenomenal i mean i i do agree that in the context of all of those wonderful things that you said rashna it almost does not matter who won the world cup or who the favorites were because in so many ways this world cup was so special um throwing it over to you shrinath karthik any thoughts on the women's world cup i i think for me this whole aussie domination it it did feel inevitable from the start but i made this point last time that if you take out australia from this i mean they have a record of 40 to 2 since the 2017 world cup i think it is just like fictional uh you know amateur difficulty on ea cricket level stats it's just insane that you can do that in a real life sport um, you go 42 but if you take australia out of it the field itself was wide open there was pakistan winning their first game in 14 years which is after two world cups bangladesh having their first ever win uh west indies from the start there were like there was thrillers involving new zealand host new zealand south africa coming out on the right side of thrilling finishes and it it seems silly at this point but england lost their first three three league games before storming all the way to the final so effectively it was such an open field that i think at least five teams could qualify for the remaining three spots and that itself uh, says a lot about where women's cricket is today because previously and we need to remember that this is a sport that's been dominated by two teams mostly new zealand have won i think one world cup but it's been australia and england throughout so the fact that so many other teams are able to compete uh is i think the takeaway from this tournament for me uh, more than anything else i know i know rachna made the point about time zones and that was a bit of a bummer because england i think is the biggest market outside of australia or probably anywhere in the world and england had such a difficult silly time zone like we do when when india play west indies in uh, in in tests so it's 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 a bit of that stuff but i think it it was probably the most competitive odi world cup uh, in the women's game so far there were like two things about the women's world cup that i really really enjoyed one was the thing that every team in the women's world cup won at least one game and i thought that was like amazing like there wasn't a single team that lost all game and co- considering the fact that many of them had like pakistan i remember reading had just won i think just two world cup games before this they had not won more than two games and every single uh, team won at least one game and the second thing is that um from a scheduling standpoint of course the time zone was a problem but it's also important to remember that the women's world cup coincided i think with three test series happening simultaneously so you had like six male uh, cricket teams all of whom were playing tests in different parts of the world it coincided with the early part of the ipl but despite all of that it seemed to have gotten a lot of attention and a lot of people watched it and i think that's like brilliant and amazing for the sport uh, karthik anything from your side i know you've been following some of the games Yeah I I I think for me it was just the um product overall if that makes sense so uh, and I think some of that goes back to the point you were making PGK about you know how people have been following this world cup um, in spite of all of the other cricket going around right uh, and I think some of that also has to do with the fact that finally we were in a position where 
the matches were not only available for everyone to see, but they were also in a consumable format, by which I mean that you could tune in live if you were in the right time zone or if, you know, it, it suited your time zone, but you could also watch highlights. You could also, you know, watch all the other outtakes around the World Cup and all of that, right? In the past, like, I remember, you know, loosely following previous Women's World Cups and so on. And, you know, I remember I would tune in for, like, India games. Uh, you know, the rest of it I would follow on Crick Info or Crick Buzz or one of these platforms, right? But this one, it's... And I think some of this is just an evolution of streaming platforms platforms in general, right? Um, like here in the United States, for example, the World Cup was broadcast on ESPN Plus, which is ESPN's uh, uh, streaming service. And I think even four years ago, this kind of thing wouldn't have been possible where I could just wake up, I could turn on the IPL in the morning, then, you know, watch something else in the afternoon, and then tune in for the World Cup in the evening, like most of the games would kick off around 5 or 6pm here on the West Coast, right? So I think that just, you know, and this is great, because I think this is where cricket is supposed to go as a sport, right? Like we've seen this with men's cricket as well, where once we actually get the productization right, once we get the, you know, uh, commoditization right, and these are important parts, right? I mean, we, we, we act in cricket as if it's, it's, a, uh, it's a bad thing for the sport to be commoditized, but not at all. I think for, for 95% of the audience, that's how you build the audience, right? It's, it's the American model where you're basically turning it into a consumption product for people, right? And, and I think that was great. That was fantastic. And, um, on on sort of the personal slash social front, um, you know, I, I want to echo what uh, Rachna was just saying, not just about the players being, you know, mothers and the players sort of the focus being on the players themselves, but also what was really nice was also to see the ecosystem around. So one part that really stuck out to me was the commentary, right, which was, oh my God, so much better than anything you would encounter <laughs> in a men's tournament. Um, and, and part of that was also the fact that one, of course, is the uh, fresh voices in the sense of, you know, we don't get to hear from these voices that often. Um, uh, so, so you know, one of the high points for me was during the India-Pakistan game, you had Anjum, Anjum Chopra and you had Sana Mir talking, you know, during the game as part of commentary. Um, but then you also had all these other things around where they were posting pictures on social media of them sort of going out to lunch and, you know, all, all these things. Um, you had a, a lot of, like, all-time greats like Debbie Hockley from New Zealand who was on commentary, you know, regularly. And it was great just to hear that perspective of, you know, hey, guys, this is a sport um, that has had a history that's been going on. You know, some of us have played this 20, 30, 40 years ago, right? Uh, and just to see all that thing coalesce and come together. And honestly, even some of the uh, men's commentators like Nasser Hussain and Ian, Ian Smith and all these people were less blade to listen to in that context, right? Because <laughs> in, in some sense, it, it, you know, it, after after listening to these guys in like uh, the IPL and in like, you know, random men's ODIs, um, I, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. So I think all of this together combined to make uh, a very, very compelling product in some sense, right? And I can't wait for like the next big women's tournament. I, I hope that this momentum continues. Uh, but I think this was an all-round success, honestly. One is on uh, the productization and the fact that all teams won. I think one thing that has been severely lacking, and we all know this, is the fa is investment in women's cricket. And now we're seeing teams like Pakistan. Uh, they're having a, a series with Australia this year. They're starting the women's uh, league in Pakistan. And e India has been all still, it's not clear what is happening with our IPL. But the fact that a country like Pakistan can take steps like that, I mean, that shows that, uh, you know, investment is happening and the importance of productization. So... Yeah, I completely agree with you on this, Karthik. Just to complete the thought on on the commentators, which Karthik made, such a great point because let's remember there are at least three men's series happening in parallel plus the IPL. And typically what used to happen is the ICC would 
broadcast a selection of games because there are not enough commentators or there are not enough grounds where you can broadcast from. But this time it was taken very seriously, right? I don't know if it's a COVID outcome or whatever it was, it was a positive outcome. There was the Hagley Oval, there was Mount Manganui, uh, there's Auckland, mm. Wellington. All the premier grounds got women's games. Mm. Partly because it's a standalone World Cup, but also you had the full shebang. You had the whole coverage, you had top grade commentators. I mean, the fact that you had Nasser Hussain do the entire tournament when England were playing oh, a yeah. test series in the Caribbean is just one example of how seriously this was taken and, and kudos to the ICC. We don't say this too often on any any of these shows, but I think well done to them. Absolutely, I agree. And I, 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 I think, speak, sorry, I think speaking of commentary, I think we highlighted this in last week's episode or two weeks back. Uh, we also found out that, you know, there is, there is a good twin, evil twin of El Siva, which is uh, W.B. Raman, who, uh, you know, Vurkeri Raman basically sounds like uh, El Siva, but, you know, he makes a little more sense. I mean, obviously, the guy has been the coach of the Indian women's team and so on, but you flip on the TV and then you listen for the first five seconds and you're like, wait, w- Lakshman Sivarab Krishnan is in New Zealand? What's what's going on? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just on the commentary, though, one thing I noticed in the first few matches when Sanjay Manjrekar was... Um, commentating and I... Oh, I, yes, he was there, I remember. No, sorry, please. Some, some <laughs> things can never be fixed. I conspicuously, I conspicuously left out a name there. It's like, anyway, go ahead, Rajna. So, <laughs> when I was watching, you know, cricket, no, no, and 2019 World Cup was something I uh, followed as well, the Men's World Cup. Um, then obviously the banter around uh, Tanjay Manjrekar, but this time something really did annoy me. His constant usage of gender terms. Third man. When the field, um, mm. the field thing would come, he would be like, "There are three guys on the field." I'm like, seriously, you <laughs> you hear Nasir Hussain saying deep third, third position, three women, three ladies, or, but um, Sanjay Manjrekar just did not learn from his mistakes. I tweeted quite a bit. Um, I don't think he read them, but yeah. <laughs> It's okay. If anything, if any, is anything to go by, Rashna, then it just means that if Sanjay Majarakar is saying something, then the exact opposite of that is going to happen. So it just means that it's going to be phenomenal for women's cricket for the next few years. And, and, and it also means that we have a podcast title ready in two years' time if Sanjay Majarakar is saying things. You know, so one thing, for example, from what Rashna said, we could have a podcast called Three Guys and a Position or something like that. It's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, he's great with that. Srinath, you were saying something. No, no, no. I, I was just going to go on a rant about Manjrekar, but that's every week. (laughs) (laughs) You know, moving away from the commentary, I don't know if anybody else had anything else to say about it, but uh, one other thing that stuck with me about the tournament, and I tweeted about this, you know, a couple of times, was New Zealand, man. New Zealand was the star of the damn thing. Like, did you guys tune in and look at those takeaway shots, like the cutout shots between overs, between innings and all of that? My God, those grounds looked so beautiful. I mean, we know that, you know, New Zealand grounds in general are are known for being beautiful and known for being small. But um, uh, just the surroundings of some of those places, especially Mount Manganui, oh my God. Like, when you looked at the shots of the mountains and the beaches and everything, and I was like... Wow, this is this is like the dream destination. Like you know, I, I hope they hold all the World Cups here. Of you know, time zone issues notwithstanding, it was just so beautiful. I don't know if you guys had you know. Can I can I that. just mention one thing? I actually had tickets for this World Cup. I bought oh. tickets a year ago. Why? What are you doing in and, the UK? I... <laughs> and it's not about time zones. It's about COVID restrictions, and oh, the fact yeah. that I would have had to quarantine for seven or fourteen days. It was still unclear. Alas. And um, oh, that is. 
Yeah. That is the biggest tragedy of the women's world. Yeah, that's a miss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything stood out to you, Rashna? I know we spoke about the scale of the whole thing. I know we spoke about the fact that um, many of the cricketers were mothers, which I want to come back to. But I'm just looking at just from the performances standpoint. Did any team surprise you, or did you think that oh, this team was obviously like doing really well? We know about Australia, but rest of the other teams. Did anything surprise you? Did you see anything that really like stood out? Um. So maybe not so much team. So one one thing is that the only team that that was obviously consistent was um, Australia. I was actually mm. surprised that despite India, you know, having spent uh, five five ODIs and one T Twenty in New Zealand, our performance was still quite mixed, and we have to acknowledge that. And you know, we did have several series as well last year. Um. So again, it was mm. a bit surprising to see um that, and then the fact that you know, uh, fielding was uh. Again, uh, a bit of a question mark for quite a few teams, apart from I would say India and Australia. Um, uh, but I think one player for me uh, really stood out, and India, Harman Preet Kaur. And um, mm. before, uh, I think it was the last time she hit a score greater than sixty runs in an ODI was actually in two thousand seventeen. And wow, I, okay. I, in that innings, is it? I'm not sure if it was that innings or maybe there was something after. But I remember hearing the stat oh. above sixty was just there. and you know a lot of uh, commentators were you know just kind of bashing her before um before before the world cup saying that you know and she was dropped from a couple of the new zealand matches um you know uh, deepthi sharma uh, i can't remember who replaced her uh, actually but as an all rounder i think it was deepthi who was looked at as that person um but then mm. she really did come back make a comeback and i think that for me was a big takeaway i remember thinking before the world cup that you know i'm really okay harmanpreet kaur not playing and meghna sabineni who was actually um you know one mm. of the the bystanders uh, she coming in instead mm. because she played phenomenally during the new zealand india series um so i think um one was two things one was the general mixed performance given the you know considerable number of series and you know the wbbl and the 100 and all of that um and the second mm. is you know this woman's uh, performance in particular that just stood out um yeah. very historically india has had players getting really long ropes and one of the reasons for that is that we always talk about the lack of depth and talent in yep. women's cricket that can make it to yep. the international side Yeah. This time, we saw a host of youngsters, people who are early to mid twenties, actually performing really, really well. Had like two all rounders, mm-hmm. Snehrana and Pooja Vastrakar, uh, coming mm-hmm. to the fore. Uh, typically, not the kind of players India has produced uh, consistently. You can perform with both bat and ball. And the other one was Yastika Bhatia up top. Uh, typically, once again, a relatively fast scoring, stroke making opener. And that mm-hmm. I think is all really positive signs for India going forward because. it's just been one of those sides and systems which has been reluctant to drop people uh, because they performed well in the past or because there's no not enough reinforcements available mm. i mean unless you un- unless and until you start having these players given long enough ropes to perform you're never going to get out of that rut so to speak so that that was really good yeah yeah i think that was part of it but i think going back to what rachna also said um so a couple of us uh, you know myself uh, kostub who is who's on, on our podcast and so on we were following that uh, pre series that india had in new zealand right the odis mm-hmm. and the t20s and so on and it was very painfully evident even then that if 
something was going to let us down it was going to be our batting right uh, mm-hmm. and that we had some serious weak links in our batting like especially in the middle order right mm-hmm. uh, and we unfortunately we saw that story play out in a lot of the world cup matches right a lot of the league games is uh, that you know we would get off to a reasonable start but then we would get bogged down in the middle overs either because wickets were falling or because people just couldn't accelerate the scoring in fact after like a few games into the you know group schedule it just became like a pattern that you knew was going to happen that even if the openers got going or even if the top order got going you just knew that they were going to get stuck in a rut um, and i think if anything of all the aspects you know bowling fielding batting i think that let down the indian team like even if you look at the last game with south africa which you know we're probably going to talk about uh, it always felt like they were at least 20 30 runs short uh, and if it had those 20 30 runs you know who knows what would have happened either way right so um, i think that was the problem and you could see it very clearly even in those early odis uh, and t20s against new zealand so um, i mean now obviously there's going to be some changes just because of the way that you know time passes and this is the end of a world cup end of an era that type of thing but uh, i think that's something that needs to be shored up and and yeah i think i i remember reading somewhere somebody had asked this question on another podcast on why is it that women's cricket and this is because a lot of people are watching women's cricket for the first time they're saying why is it that women's cricket have generally have a lot of all-rounders or a ton of bowling options so if you look at most teams when they're bowling you go back go down and look at the scorecard it's not four or five bowlers it's usually like seven or eight and similarly the other thing is you also have a lot of really young players like in india's case you had shifali verma who's just 18 who's like opening the batting and i love the answer that was given in the podcast which was that this is a phase that cricket typically goes through at least if you look at similarly if you look at men's cricket which has just been around longer so i'm looking at it as a comparison that typically what happens is as teams become more mature as there is phenomenal depth one of the things that starts happening is the number of all-rounders in the at the highest level starts to decline immediately because only at like really if you go back and even if you look at say club cricket the number of people who are all rounders is significantly high because you want people who can do everything but as you go higher specialization starts to count that's one and the second thing is that because there is phenomenal depth and talent it becomes really hard for you to pick someone who's like an 18 and 19 and make this person jump ahead of the queue of uh, because there is are so much talent right now so that's why if you look at say australia or england at least india even in the men's side it's been a while since you've had so called young prodigies really like taken to the fore that has not happened in like a while and that's obviously a consequence of the depth that we have and i think we're going to see women's cricket go in that direction and it's a wonderful uh wonderful thing uh but i think we cannot talk about the indian cricket team without talking about the two people who have kept indian cricket together for so long um mitali raj and julan goswami um regardless of their performance in this world cup uh, rachna just tell us what it means what does it mean for you as an enthusiast for what does mitali raj and julan goswami mean for indian women's cricket i i think i've gotten into too much depth with respect to their stories and um their their lives and um they have seen cricket transition they've been a part of that transition but what i want to highlight is they were a part of cricket um of a generation of cricket where they were playing for the sport they were playing for the country they were not playing for money mitali's raj's father had to take two jobs in order to support his daughter's cricket you either had to just believe that you know you will either um, you know you believe or be happy with the fact that you are representing your country be happy with the fact that you might get a railways job 
or have the privilege um to uh, be able to support you in cricket in order to you know uh, in uh, in order to just play the sport and so for me i'm um, seeing them go through i mean i didn't really see them but knowing that they went through that journey of you know supporting cricket and just playing cricket for the love of cricket um uh, to bcci actually taking over and you know providing them with match fees and income um uh, i think that is one of the greatest things i can say about their journey and i'm just happy both of them had the opportunity to go through that on a on a related note is a really beautiful point about women's sport and women's cricket going professional uh, there's a there's a lot of discussion around why women's power hitting has become such a big deal in the last few yeah. years Correct. one of the theories and one of the answers that keeps coming up is women before the last few years most women at least had to juggle between a day job and yeah. cricket training and so mm-hmm. when they did the two of that going to the gym became a tertiary thing which came after your day job after your mm-hmm. nets because you already had to find time for nets and training that you yeah. did not ever care about going to the gym and training just for sport and this is not just an india thing it's pretty much everywhere else except australia that when you go professional the sort of relatively second order benefits result in a game that's so much more comprehensive so much more all round and therefore it adds just it just adds to the quality of the sport i remember this one nice. particular uh, podcast where mitali raj is talking where um she spoke about um i some new zealand series in 2003 4 5 where she was actually captaining and um how she you know she was the physio she was that mental health person in the team if mm. there were any issues and they all had to somehow cough up money in order to um you know buy tickets go economy have barely like 12 mm. or 18 hours before the first game no support of you know no recognition by bcci no recognition in general um whereas new zealand um australia and england have had those ecosystems for and yet if i'm not mistaken we did quite well in the series i don't want to quote wrong stats but yeah so it 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 is it it has been quite a journey for um, both of them yeah we've acknowledged that women's cricket is going places we've said that it's an amazing world cup we loved it but we wouldn't be bits and pieces if we didn't talk about all the absurdities and the banter that went on with it as people who follow indian cricket how painful was the india south africa match may i ask everyone and please feel free to lay it out now and get it all out of your system because that's what our listeners are here for at least three of them come on rashta tell us about the india south yeah. africa game it's okay <laughs> say the group absurdities therapy. let it go come out group group, group therapy, therapy. <laughs> oh god ah uh, i i i i i don't know how to answer that question i mean there was hope you know we spoke about it um the middle order was was a disaster in that game pooja vastrakar sneha mm. rana people who we did have some hope from and who have performed in other games they didn't um mm. the fact that julan goswami couldn't play that game yes she ha- she yeah. had an inger- injury and uh, you know thinking that you know the last game that she played um the last odi she played was india bangladesh um and mm. um, you know the the hope 
and and then not making it to the semis um you know it 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 is quite painful thinking you know realizing that the last game just is all her last game's all in odias is already done and then of course the no ball um which <laughs> <laughs> can can I just say as someone who was watching the match Julian Goswami was doing on television what all of us were doing sitting on our couches yes, right I she know. was like what what's going on throwing her hands up walking away throwing things on the floor it was amazing to watch i was like okay uh, at least they feel no and it was no it was especially painful to see her doing it there because at least we know we're all stuck like an entire continent or more away and we there's really nothing we can do she's That's at the true. ground and she can't it, it it was i think that was I, that was the i don't know not even frustrating that was the saddest part of the whole thing right like because yeah. they would keep especially during the during the uh, south african chase towards the end they would keep cutting away to her every two balls right and she'd be she was sitting in that dressing room like that shot of just her by herself sitting in the dressing room right yeah um that was yeah it was heartbreaking it was even um, more poetic because she she was the one who bowled the marginal uh over the waist no ball that almost beat australia right like if not for mm, that they would yep. have beaten australia in the in the bilateral series just before the world cup so yeah, yeah even more heartbreaking yeah the the one interesting part was because it was a, a relatively intimate atmosphere so what happened is i remember there was this one time when south africa was chasing and they were cruising it looked like south africa would win and then suddenly south africa started doing what south africa always does which is they start suddenly like losing wickets and then aha <laughs> uh-huh, and that is when everyone leans forward and say we have seen this before we know how I this know. is going to end and at that point yeah. there was a run out on and it went up to the third umpire and the cameraman instead of like focusing on the third umpire and playing the replay just swings the camera straight to the indian dressing room and in the indian dressing room there are these four guys who are sitting in front of a yeah. laptop yeah. and this guy sees the camera is on him and he puts his finger out and says yeah finger up I, 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 i can see i'm like oh okay so it is out i don't have to look at the third so this is what the indian support staff was doing this is i remember that yeah so but um what, what, sorry go ahead i was just going to say like um I felt a lot of anger towards South Africa. Again, this might be this is probably something that's uh uh yeah, a bit controversial quite controversial I would say, but um at that point, so South Africa knew they were in the semis. And this is not yeah. in the spirit of sportsmanship, yeah. but I really felt by South Africa winning, they did a disservice to the sport. Ooh, tell us more. This is the kind of stuff this is podcast is for. Okay. Yes. This is the opening yes. of the podcast this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but go on. If India had made it to the semis, we the there would have been far more viewership um than there than there was and I remember seeing some stats generally about India matches um over the course of this World Cup. And um I I Uh, yeah it's not just a disservice to the indian team of course but i think just generally for the entire cricketing community but again this is not in the spirit of sportsmanship this is just being me being you know someone who just heartbroken fan heartbroken fan about Af- the best for the sport south africa couldn't even choke at choking they choked at choking like they couldn't even pull off the entire choke it was just yeah no i i i agree with you rachna i think yes of course as indian fans right but it's so it's so pointless like what was the point you have qualified anyway why are you in like top gear trying to go and win this game like of course we all know why like this is half facetious but um 
yeah it was very frustrating it was like you guys are already in like it doesn't even matter although i guess the thing that balanced this a little bit which we should talk about right is um i think on twitter they had the reaction video of the west indies team all yes. gathered in like yes. an auditorium that or was, something that was watching really, every, really warm yeah, was every nice ball of this which yeah which was very nice and also it was it was sort of poetic in a way because i think um, and we talked about this again in a previous episode of all the teams in the group stage i think the west indies were probably involved in uh, the most number of close games right like a lot of their games went down to the wire um, and 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 so i i think it was poetic seeing that you know they were all st- sitting there watching this close game which they had absolutely no control over they had no you know way to influence the outcome of that game um so in some sense i guess that got balanced out i mean doesn't change any of the points you're making rachna including about actual viewership and actual you know sort of uh, interest in the game um but yeah it is what it is and i think you know i think as indian fans we should just be thankful that you know if we had qualified we would have come up against alisa healy and the juggernaut that was the australian <laughs> team so it's it's really about what kind of scar do you want to carry do you want to carry the scar where you know almost made it but not quite so we can still you know go to bed every night telling ourselves okay if only you know that if only deepthi's foot had landed like you know a few inches <laughs> behind the line or whatever right or do you want to go to bed telling yourself that oh my god we got beaten to pulp by, by uh, you, you know, know this, this australian, australian team, team. So, one more 2003 men's world cup style memory oh, yeah don't yeah, yeah, don't, don't want yes <laughs> i mean we'll talk yeah. about the final right but all of us i think we had pts you were like thank god it's england at the other end of this cuz <laughs> those guys are going to have issues to sort out you know 20 years from now with this with this final but uh, no one thing one more thing i want to talk about uh, while we're on the south africa india game um, was harmanpreet kaur right like finally finally she had the turnaround game a little too late unfortunately right but towards the latter half of that game like she was everywhere like you know when she was batting sort of down the order um, then she came on you know as a bowler she produced the breakthroughs uh, the catch the run out like she was all over the field like just you know yeah it was yeah. absolutely uh, it was it was really really great to watch um yeah. i think i'll just i'll, I'll pro- i want to talk about something that uh, rachna alluded to right in the beginning which is about uh, a lot of women who are playing the game immediately like or sometime back they have become mothers so one thing that we are finding out about women's cricket and quite honestly this is something that we don't have answers to because there is such a low sample size and we are still very early into understanding the sport uh, especially from the women's side is that we see a lot of things happen in women's cricket that don't happen in men's cricket for example if you look at say the amount of swing that is there in bowlers i mean the kind of swing that women cricketers produce is like unimaginable it's no way close it's not even close to what men's cricket do men's cricket essentially they get some swing for a few overs but you can see the prodigious banana swing that happens um and you can see all of these other things and it leads us to slowly start to understand that there are a lot of aspects about women's bodies and that influence on the sport that we don't know right and we don't understand we're still learning and i'm just curious rashna if you could just like chime in if there's anything that you have read or seen or observed that sort of like connects the dots better for you let's say that obviously this is going to happen because women's bodies tend to be this and hence this is the kind of advantages or not necessarily but these are the kind of differences that necessarily emerge in women's cricket do you see anything yeah so there are um, i mean the one thing that i've uh, read about is um the chest muscles um which mm. are much weaker in women uh, weaker compared to men's which is which results in the lower speeds which is why you know mm. a, a random ranji player will be able to like polish off 130 140 whereas um you know a bowler like catherine brunt probably max 120 125 um second mm. is also uh, so um uh i 
I'm a I'm a part of this group of uh, I'm not a coach but um, women coaches in uh, by the ECB England Cricket Board um and so I was mm. talking to some of them and how they go about um their coaching um and uh, you know what are the differences physically and um, mm. they said uh, it's the physical aspect is there but it's also the kind of pitches that lead uh, to a different game so the fact that okay. the boundaries are shorter means that mm. if you are a fast bowler and if you are not accurate then it you could easily hit a boundary so what mm. coaches ha- coaches have focused on you know we uh, we were talking about this point around all rounders um mm. is um on actually just being much stronger when it comes to the line so spin medium pace and swing focusing on that versus you know mm. actually on speed and now there's a generation mm. of bowlers like uh, Izzy Wong who plays for uh, Birmingham Phoenix and um uh, and uh, i think in the england uh, squad as well there is a updated tyler vlamnik for the in the australian team who polished off like a 125 i think um last year so there is this new mm. generation where there's more focus on um you know faster speeds but it is a combination of not it's not just about the body but it's also about you know the nature um it's also about the 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 game the pitch as a whole and what you end up focusing on as you um grow older and i think one of the other points they mentioned is because until like you know 15 16 you try to have both mixed you know boys and girls playing and and again boys will have that significant advantage in terms of speed so where do you focus the of women course. you focus the women on mm. accuracy um versus actually mm. on pace and this again was like a very interesting distinction um yeah uh, on on the evolution of women's cricket during those age groups mm i'm really looking forward to especially from a biomechanical standpoint really excited to see what women's cricket has in store for us i actually genuinely think we are going to see for example spinners who are going to do things in women's cricket that no male spinner will be able to do at all simply by the function of their bodies i think we are going to see batsmen sorry batswomen uh, who are going to do things that are way different from what batsmen in the men's side would do so all of this is like quite nice and exciting um we'll end on an optimistic note given that india is out yes that's quite sad but um the bcci has announced that the women's ipl will kick off from 2023 which is from next year and they say that it will have four to six teams uh, of course it's pending some approval by some agm but i feel like it's almost like a done deal it's probably going to happen um rachna are you going to watch this amazing beautiful sport in the women's ipl or, or do you consider it a monstrosity <laughs> I will definitely watch it. <laughs> I mean, I think uh see, I'm I I don't know. I'm not a I didn't grow up with T20 like I think many of us. So the 20 over matches. And uh I'm not a I mean, I would I love watching ODIs. I know some of you have differing opinions on that and I do enjoy test matches as well. Um but I think IPL is such or any of these leagues it's just a great thing for the game like um when I was listening to Jemima Rodriguez interview um last year when she was playing for um the Northern Superchargers um and mm. she was just talking about you know playing alongside or just seeing some of these players uh, Catherine Brunt etc the kind of um you know the kind of discipline they have when it comes in the gym what they focus on how they think about their routines um it's just a, it's just beneficial for the community as a whole and i don't know if uh, uh, if you're aware of the the fair break series that's going that's happening in the next um couple of months so this is no uh, please tell us about it yeah so this is actually um uh so they are basically sponsoring 
um, a league, um, uh, five, six different teams, where each team has one player from every single country. India is not there for some reason, but they have Sophie Devine. They have, um, I think Susie Bates is playing. Uh, they have uh, people from uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, most of the teams. Um, they also have players from uh, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, um, you know, the, the qualifiers. Um, and this, I just read about it like yesterday, I think. Um, and I think, again, something like this, which everything is going to charity, is just great for the game, great for women's sports in general. Um, and just pushing, you know, um, equity, e- equality in the game. Nice. Yeah. We really yeah. look forward to the women's IPL. Any any teams that you would like to support? Any? Do you have affiliations to certain cities? I'm assuming it's going to be based on cities. I mean, I am from okay. Chennai. Just by default, <laughs> I will support Chennai <laughs> Super Kings. But, but, uh, but by I, the way, I, I, I really hope they bid. <laughs> for for a women's team but but i actually i, I now thinking about it, i'm saying chennai now because i think it's the easiest um is the easiest uh, answer to give but i do think at the time i think it's really going to be based on the players um yeah. especially yeah. as i feel that i have such a close connection to these players <laughs> in some strange way that um yeah so let's see also speaking of chennai i think they'll have to come up with probably not very gender specific names for some teams because the IPL tends to overdo this also there are too many yes. kings in the IPL too many kings so yes it, yeah it's it's uh, but yeah but that'll be fun i i really i really am looking forward to it i think that yeah no I, I think mostly also because of like this is something that i don't think we expected the IPL to do when it kicked off in 2008 right but I, to me at least this has been the single best thing about the IPL which is for the indian game like mm. within India, right? Like discovering and giving opportunities to all these players who would never have had, you know, an opportunity to sort of make it to the limelight and uh, all of the other things that Rachna said also about, you know, uh, being in the same atmosphere with all these other people. Like we were talking in, in a previous episode about the life of Shane Vaughan, right? And and a big part of that was what he did with Rajasthan Royals, right? As a sort of mentor figure and as a, as a sort of superstar who brought up a lot of these players in that same dressing room and who kind of mentored them. And to it's a double whammy in some sense for the women's game because one, just having that sort of thing. And two, we lament how little uh, even play, playing time uh, most of the women's teams have outside of, you know, tournaments like the, uh, uh, you know, ODI World Cup and all of that. So I'm really looking forward to it, you know. Um, Thank you, Ramiz Raja, for forcing the hand of the BCCI. You know, the, the one good thing that Ramiz Raja has done in his life. But yeah. <laughs> I am actually... Sorry, Rishtrinath. No, no, I was was just going to say that um, we take Australia's success for granted today. But the fact that despite winning so many World Cups, they've kept doubling down on the women's BBL year after year. They've not rested on their laurels saying, hey, we professionalized the games. Uh, We've got these eight franchises and they play in parallel with the men. Every single year, the WBBL's gone from strength to strength, whether it's a doubleheader, you sell tickets for the women's game together... You name them, you build the same fan base, you widen the pool of professional players. Here's a stat, right? Like Australia has four times as many professionals as any other women's cricket country. That's that's just astounding for me. And that tells you why they dominate so much. They've had, I think they had like three key injuries before this Women's World Cup. They've just replaced those players casually and all of them have starred at different points of the tournament. They walk to victory at the end of it. So... I think it's worth stating that you can't replicate the Australian model overnight, but I think that's where you need to look at to say that here's where we want to get to in 10 years. You've got the blueprint. You just need to have the will and 
the the sort of commitment to investing in this over a period of time yeah. i want to bring up I another also... sorry <laughs> just linked to this i want to bring up another point on um inclusivity in cricket which australia has definitely done but england is doing a lot as well and, and especially as a women sport okay and i mentioned this um, you know the ecb um, network of it's called um, dream big uh, desi coaches so there's a specific initiative to actually onboard um, south asian coaches in uh, in the uk um, for Eng- mm. in england and wales um, and the idea is that um, cricket is one sport where you know it's not a contact sport clothing is loose you could play mm. with a hijab so like aptaha mm. maksood for birmingham phoenix for birmingham phoenix and um, to uh, you can play cricket anywhere and the way um, mm. dream big actually talks about its program is that you know you can play cricket in a mosque in a gurudwara in a park um you could play with mm. a plastic bat and ball you could play with a season um season ball and a kookaburra bat if you want it if you want to and i think that is again you know a great step that um you know uh, countries like uh, or nations like england uh, are doing alongside um uh, australia and through which you know we're seeing a lot of diverse players um in these countries as well again it's not probably you know uh, relevant for india but the fact that um in england you're seeing players like naomi datani um we have uh, alana king um in australia uh, as well that i i think this is a big statement that um, these countries are making you know just beyond looking at uh, you know women's cricket as women but more than that so that's a wonderful place to end it i'll just end on another quiet note which is that i really look forward to women's cricket becoming extremely popular as popular as men's cricket and even surpassing it because along with that comes all the wonderful feelings of maybe Raj, one day rachna you'll be attending you'll know what it feels like to attend a test match in bangalore and have the crowd scream rcb 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 that will be <laughs> the day when you know that women's cricket has arrived <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Okay on that note uh we are moving on from the women's uh wonderful wonderful women's world cup to the IPL um any thoughts on what's going on with the IPL it's very early just a few games have been played but very quick thoughts on what's going on with the IPL do you want to start with CSK uh Carto it's like That's, that's probably I, the one. I, I, we can do CSK, but I actually want to start with Sunrisers Hyderabad. What the hell are they doing? Like, I, I thought last year was like the you know pinnacle of or whatever the 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 bottom of what they could do, and this year they're already at the bottom of the table, already at the bottom of the Fair Play Award. They're somehow concocting a dispute that involves Kane Williamson of all people, <laughs> and they're disputing it with the IPL Council. I just you know Tony must be very happy. Tony must be you know smiling somewhere, but just what has happened? to this team they've just fallen apart spectacularly like starting with the massive cell phone that happened with david warner and like at this point i'm just tuning into the ipl just to see how much lower uh, srh can fall um, i mean I, i i i used to be a huge srh fan 
partly because of loyalties to hyderabad but partly also because it would really get into get yeah. on the nerves of csk fans and rcb fans and you know everybody who is annoying in the ipl in general but <laughs> oh my god like just what have they done anyway yeah shrinath maybe you should talk about csk just i had to no, get I, it off I, my chest no i i i also still follow srh for kane and there's also rashid khan before this but uh, it's just like you you don't know what low they're going to sink to the, the next game but anyway i think csk srh should be a good game uh, they both uh, plumbing new lows every day uh, so uh, I, I, was, i was just seeing that it's the first time csk have lost two games uh, at the start of a tournament i mean the ipl is a bit of a blur you don't remember seasons it's almost like you know it's a, it's a giant sort of stream of uh, multiple different tournaments that that kind of meld into your memory but but i think csk this time i know dhoni has given up captaincy etc but like what is that bowling attack Tushar Deshpande and Mukesh Chaudhary that was their opening bowling attack last game and they got you know they got hammered to all parts and uh, it's not like their reinforcements are doing any better if the the current game is anything to go by but i i don't know what they think when they go into auctions because they've just won from spectacularly impossible situations in the past like i don't know what 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 it is it's a the dhoni effect or having the, the the tournament clutch play that they've had historically but this time i think like they themselves have surpassed their historic uh, lows in terms of I, assembling a team right i think csk auctions are basically to go back to what pgk said in the india south africa match it's four guys sitting in a dressing room watching a tv and putting up a finger once in a while that's literally what it is paddling no yeah. clue what's going on just put the paddle up that's it it's that's that's kind of what it is it's rashna i know you don't watch men's cricket but do you have any memories of what it was like in the ipl i know th- as you can see things have changed a little now or maybe they haven't but uh, do you have any memories of any teams anything that you had some affiliation to <laughs> and we can tell you how badly they're doing right now uh, or when okay it, it, it was it was always uh, csk um okay <laughs> i don't think i have any specific memories at this point except like whistle pod csk to be honest oh I, I, I i have a feeling that i've just like deleted my um, ipl memories <laughs> and i have been to matches don't worry well. most <laughs> Most of us do that after every season. We have to clear up some garbage out of our heads, so we all delete our IPL memories the moment it finishes. But yeah. But I did have that the opportunity true. to ask um three uh CSK players, and I can't even remember their names right now. I have the video somewhere. <laughs> so my so there was. Did some... you do the auction for CSK? <laughs> 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 and and uh, the question i asked them was very so we are it's full audience and you can ask anything so the question i asked them was you know what's happening when it comes to the women's ipl and uh, of course yeah and the response i want to say it was ravi ashwin does he play for csk or am i just making that up he used to he used, yeah. to. He okay. used to around the then yeah. i i don't remember who answered this question but basically that person uh, said that you know it is hopefully underway but yeah it's uh, this is just one thing that i've that i've a fight i've been uh, picking <laughs> and you've clearly succeeded so right now we do have that happening so that's great um so i th- it must have been quite a while ago if you basically asked this question if it, if ashwin was a part of csk speaking of ashwin one team that looks really solid not just on the field but even their social media is rajasthan royals i actually yes. personally think they are the team to beat right now um mumbai definitely looks a lot thinner because they have like lost out uh a bunch of people and definitely it looks much thinner they don't have much depth they seem to have paid through their nose just to hold on to ishan kishan and it doesn't seem to make sense to me but rajasthan man they have a phenomenal team um 
it looks like they have great batsmen and they have like two spinners in Chahal and Ashwin who are able to hold on to the middle overs. But apart from that, I think the only thing that will probably trip Rajasthan is they have like six really solid players and then number seven is Ashwin. And as much as I love Ashwin, uh, I don't think Ashwin walks into a number seven in any T20 uh, team in anywhere. Probably in test, but not in T20. But so I, if they end up getting into a collapse and then suddenly start to look at Riyan Parag and Ashwin walking out in the 10th over, then yeah, things start to get a little tricky from there. This, this is how... You saying? Ash- Sorry, I was just going to say outrage. Ravichandran Ashwin is an is a born all-rounder. How can you say this? Like, surrender your Chennai passport right now. Like, as, know, as Madan stay, was saying. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's been classified as an all-rounder from the moment he started playing in St. Beads as a little child. Like, come on. It's like, you know. <laughs> uh, no, but, can't believe there are four people from Chennai here. Or four, four people from Tamil Nadu here. And I am essentially the one who is basically saying that, mm, no, maybe not. We're not sure. But Srinath, sorry, you were saying no, it's almost like what what has become the the Kings Eleven curse in recent years, right? Like they start off spectacularly well. They seem to have put together a great team. First seven games, they are you know pretty much in the top four or thereabouts, and then it kind of fades away completely. Which is where I think teams like CSK or Mumbai, Mumbai historically don't win any of their first four or five games, and somehow they're all in the playoffs every single season. But uh, taking off your your point on RR, it's almost like. The few teams that have actually had a good auction and put together what looks like a T20 side. I mean, Gujarat Titans have been a nice surprise package yeah. to start off. I've seen mm-hmm. a bunch of young talent doing really, really well. Um, there's uh, Abhinav Manohar, I think, who's, uh, who's a Karnataka, Karnataka. lower-order yeah. finisher. Yeah. Dude's just been wheeling away big hits from ball one, pretty much. Like, he came uh, at, the, at the end of a chase uh, against I think it was Lucknow mm-hmm. and... Even in the last game, there's uh, Ayush Badoni, who's uh, Lucknow Super Giants. We've made all sorts of uh, Doni Badoni references, and whether he's a player from EA cricket or whatever, like it's Hemang Badani. But <laughs> 20 years later, yeah, he's the he's the I, I made this. He's the Obomo of uh, Badani. Obomo. Right? He's there. <laughs> all right, so we will. I guess continue to watch the IPL and see what's happening. Right now, a lot of teams are stumbling and stuttering. Some teams have seemed to have fit their groove. I think only after a week or two will things start to become clearer. Will Chennai continue to do the unthinkable, inexplicable win from nowhere? Um, Will Mumbai find their mojo? Will Rajasthan fall apart? And will... SRH ever win a game? Let's find out in the few weeks to go. Uh, Karthik says no, SRH is not going to win a game, but we'll find out. Nope, nope, Um, nope. (laughs) we're going to end with a very um something that's been going on uh that not many people have been paying attention to but uh i think one person has been paying attention and that is so you should tell us a bit about what's happening between australia and pakistan in the ods i mean uh with pakistan it's it's almost like there's there's a few players, few batters at least, going completely under the radar. Like Imam Ulhaq, scoring hundreds for fun. Like the guy is, I think, an opener from the 2000s who casually goes about scoring at 90, 95 without like, you know, the big hits or scoring 15 boundaries or whatever. He just scored 100 and uh, I think a 90-odd uh, to beat Australia. Pakistan, by the way, I think the highlight of the series was... Pakistan chasing down 348 uh, in Lahore. Mm. And yep. similar to similar to South Africa, I think even their home fans 
were waiting for you know what point the chase goes off the rails and it never came right babar obviously is babar and he's just like scoring going from strength to strength at home australia admittedly had i think uh, a second string attack it was uh, nathan ellis making his debut mitch hmm. swepson also on debut um then there was cam green and i think sean abbott i think so this yeah. was their bowling attack but given all of that uh pakistan actually did a great job in not doing a pakistan at any stage because most often their opponents are themselves right so they just carried on and on and chased down 349 and that pretty much turned the series the third game australia collapsed uh but i think the the main the main takeaway from that series is uh is the fact that we've now had an entire series featuring a big international side touring pakistan and cricket yep. returning to pretty much everywhere including the gaddafi stadium in lahore uh, we spoke about that last week but mm. i think this is a significant success for uh, for pakistan as a nation to bring uh, yep. a team like australia back historically they just like refused to tour and last year we know what happened with england and new zealand so i think that's the big storyline from the series as much as you know pakistan didn't win a game for an entire month with all those draws but finally they, they just put together a couple <laughs> to get over the line nice can i say we one will thing obviously uh, yes one, of course one thing about the Pak- there's one thing i paid attention to or i saw in the pakistan australia series so there was this yes. woman in the audience um who actually had this big um poster which said I am here to see Alisa Healy's husband and I thought <laughs> yeah. boom that is brilliant <laughs> and this is what women's cricket need this is what women need in the I think it's a good uh, place yeah. to finish as well right like Alisa yeah. Healy's husband was actually there to watch Alisa Healy uh, smash it in the world cup final yes. so it yes. was great I think that was yeah was and, and I and I will say that that was actually such a wonderful image because my wife asked me she was like I saw some photo who is this guy who is basically sitting there I said I'm like wow <laughs> this is very okay and she does not watch cricket at all and even she saw someone's husband is also playing cricket something so I yeah. think it's wonderful yeah yeah it's a wonderful wonderful place to end and it is so fitting that uh this is essentially fundamentally an episode that was completely focused on the women's world cup uh thank you so much for joining us rachna we look forward to having you again please come in and tell us what's going on with women's cricket and hopefully we will have you more often if the bcci wills it and hopefully until then rcb 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 <laughs> oh what a guy <laughs> oh god what a note to end yeah okay this has been a really wonderful episode uh thanks a lot for joining us rashna say bye bye thanks all right bye. okay all right see you shrinath see you kartik this is praveen from bits and pieces and keep an eye out for next week where we continue on where we left off with the ipl and in future episodes hopefully more 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 women's cricket 